All right, y'all, welcome to the Fellowship Asheville ConvoCast, where we hope to inspire you with stories of what God is doing in and through the people of Fellowship Asheville. And in season two of the ConvoCast, we are introducing you to our deacons um, and to our staff. And so today uh, we have got Brian and Jan Bridges, who are both deacons, um, and they're deacons specifically over our prayer ministry. And so, so Brian and Jan, to kind of introduce yourself to everybody, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about, about yourself? We're uh, Brian Jambridges. We've uh, been, uh, we moved to Fletcher, North Carolina and started attending uh, uh, Fellowship Asheville around 2018. Uh, we originally are from, uh, I'm originally from Greenville, South Carolina, and um, we, uh, we both met there at uh, North Hills uh, Community Church in uh, Greenville, or Taylor's, and um, we've, uh, I work, or I sorry, we have a, a daughter, uh, Eliana. Uh, who's uh, almost two years old with two March 2nd. And then we have another daughter, Eden, uh, who we hope will arrive on March 26th. So, or somewhere around there. <laughs> or somewhere around there. Or early. March, March, or early. Early is good. So y'all are, y'all are just a few weeks from being like in the zone, mm-hmm. right? Because I think what three or four weeks before the due date, like good to go. So that's, 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 that's good. Um, um, Jan, anything, anything? you'd like to to share to kind of introduce folks to you (laughs) yeah I'm Brian said he's he's from Greenville South Carolina so he's clearly a southerner I'm not Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah I was born in the midwest but um Michigan but um I actually grew up overseas in Germany my parents were missionaries they're actually just retired uh one year in so um yeah so I'm kind of I feel like all over, but very Europeanized American. Yeah. Where in Germany were they missionaries? Um, in the city of Erlangen and Nuremberg. And that's kind of the southern, okay. southern section. Bavaria is the state. Yeah. Nice. And so you, you moved there when you were how old? I was eight and then 16 when I moved back. Wow. Those are formative years in Germany. Yeah, they were. Yeah. Were they with a missions organization or a denomination? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, Wh- which uh, one? It's an independent Baptist one called Baptist Mid Missions. It's out of okay. Cleveland, Ohio. I think. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, great. Well, what's something about y'all that people wouldn't typically know? Like, you know, if, if, if they were just meeting you in the first 10 minutes of conversation, this is something that wouldn't come up. What's something that's unique to y'all? Uh, one thing I thought for me personally was uh, just I, I sang in an acapella group at North Carolina State University. Um, we got to sing uh, um, some of the big things we got to do was sing national anthem for the basketball game. So it's fun. So we got tickets to some of the, the big rivalry games that might Oh, that is fun. And uh, we sang for graduations and uh, did a tour, a couple tours, and an album, and um, it, was, it was a lot of fun uh, growing up uh, uh, or doing that one in college. It became like my fraternity in, in a sense, real, real close friends that I still keep in contact with. So. That's great. Um, I could tell um, this will actually air, you know, probably towards the end of April, somewhere in that range, uh, or sometime in April. Um, and so, uh, for those of you who were watching in January, the bridges led us through some prayer for worship. And at the end they sang, 
And that's when I realized what a great voice y'all have. Not only singing, but but Jan, you were harmonizing too. Like you did your part. Don't start pointing fingers. You did your part, Jan. You, you were harmonizing with him and, and all that. And so I've joked around with him. I'm like, little did they know they also auditioned for the worship team. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's fun. Jan, what, what's something about you that people wouldn't wouldn't typically know? Well, since Brian and I look like we're the same age, practically, it's incredibly surprising to know that Brian is 11 years older than me. So I never thought I would marry a man that's my height, 11 years older and blonde. (laughs) (laughs) It's like you're back in Germany again. (laughs) Very, very fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, how did y'all, um, as we've done some of these convocasts, some of the feedback that I've been getting, getting from people, one, they love them. And two, they love to hear stories of how people came to know Jesus. So, so, you know, how did y'all each come to know Jesus as your savior? Okay. Yeah, I grew up in a pastor's home and obviously later on missionary when my dad moved us all over to Europe. But um, yeah, so I mean, I had, I had the gospel and I had Bible stories read to me and went to church. Um, so there was an understanding of God and faith in Christ and being a Christian that was there from an early time. Um, and at some point I made a, when I was really young, made a profession of faith out of fear for going to hell. <laughs> I mm. remember that. Um, but then about a year later, um, and this was like kindergarten age, um, I actually made a true like commitment to Christ. We had a child evangelist that came through and, um, she was just very gripping and, and just entertaining probably too, in the way she told her stories, but she just made somehow that week she made Jesus come alive to me. And I just recognized my need for a savior and kind of raise my hand and walk the aisle like the old fashioned way, mm-hmm. um, old fashioned, but it worked, you know? And mm-hmm. so I saved and I honestly never doubted my salvation after that. That was something that God, I think mm-hmm. God just gave me that gift of just a real confidence that that decision was real, even though I was really young. Um, yeah. And that my testimony gets to be one of like, I'll let the little children come unto me for the kingdom of God is for such as these. And mm. yeah, I think, you know, now I appreciate my testimony being saved as a child, as opposed to others that get saved later in life. And like my husband, so, like me too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was my story more or less of getting saved. And, and I think just loving, I don't know, my parents really cultivated a love for God and the word mm-hmm. and just was there. That was just a part of who I became and, and what my Christian life became. So, yeah, I think that was all that, that maturing process obviously happened over decades and is still happening, but um, yeah, it was, that's my story. <laughs> that's great. That's great. Brian, what's, what's, how did you come to know? Jesus? Yeah, as, as Jen alluded to, I, I um, came to know the Lord later in life. I uh, grew up in a religious home uh, where I um, I heard about, uh, we attended a Methodist church, um, so we didn't really, uh, in this particular church, we didn't hear the gospel um, that often. It was more of just stories and, and live a life that is pleasing to God, um, be moral and ethical and, and, and do good, um, but uh, it wasn't that 
understanding of how to have a relationship with God. <laughs> so I, I substituted that by just doing good and, and trying to please people. And, and those were my idols. And I found myself really empty, you know, when that, you know, that doesn't satisfy. It's a, it's a, an empty well uh, that I was filling. Um, and uh, later uh, I struggled through that process with depression and, and, uh, and went, uh, ended up attending um, uh, North Penn State University and did well there, but went to University of Illinois and got my master's in mechanical engineering, really struggled there. Um, I happened to share an office with a, with a real strong Christian who's involved with the navigators. I ended up following him Columbus, Indiana, just getting a, a, a job with the same company, Cummins, and, uh, and there he um, he shared the gospel with me using the bridge illustration, just showing that you know my good works are not going to cross that great chasm between us and, and God because of our sin. Uh, only Jesus could bridge that um, that that great divide. And uh, if, if a scripture that really stood out to me, you know, is really is. Um, instrumental my salvation was Ephesians 2 8 through 9 for it's by grace you can save through faith not by works so that no one should boast and that also that grace is a gift of God from um, that we can uh, rely on um, I, he challenged me to read the Bible uh, in a year uh, and so I, I I started reading the Bible and and by March of 96 I had gotten to uh, the story of David and Goliath one night and just those things you've been sharing with, with me in the past really reverberated and um, uh, seeing David's uh, just, um, I had always been attracted to that story of David and Goliath in general because I've been uh, kind of growing up a small guy and being bullied at times and just thinking of mm -hmm. being able to slay them, you know. Um, but then seeing David's real passion for God, um, it, it just triggered something in me. The Holy Spirit just convicted mm -hmm. my sin and I confessed to him that night. Um, my for God and his salvation. I, I later shared that with uh, the church and got baptized a month later in a pond in Indiana. And, and mm. um, mm. God just really worked uh, through that process uh, um, to grow me uh, and to understand my, my need for the gospel every day. So That's really great. I don't know that I have ever heard in all the testimonies that I've heard, I'm trying to think if this is true. I'm pretty, I, I, right now I'm I'm thinking that it is where David and Goliath was the story that God used to, to make it click. Like that's so cool. God's so creative. I love it. I love it. I love it. But that the verses that, that you quoted that Ephesians two, eight, and nine, eight, nine, and 10 are probably my favorite verses um, in the scripture um, because I think the gospel is so clear in them. And then of course, verse 10 is, you know, for you were God's workmanship created for good works, which God has, place before you put ahead of you uh so walk in them um and so um all of that tied together i think is just a beautiful picture of the christian life that it is a gift and it's a gift with a purpose um, um which, which which i love now y'all are leading the the prayer team as as deacons you know a deacon is um you know, not just a servant, but a leader of servants. Um, and so y'all are leading uh, our prayer ministry, which has a couple of different arms to it. We've got the email prayers that go out when we are meeting in person. There's also people there physically to pray. Now that we have this virtual environment, uh, there's prayer team people there too, which I think is really cool that people can en engage in prayer online. 
with someone from the prayer team. Um, me being with y'all, um, you know, it's pretty clear that y'all have a, a passion for prayer. Um, you read about it, you engage in conferences um, with it. Like it, it's something that, that God has birthed in you. I am so curious to hear where that passion came from and how it came about. I can start um, just uh, for me, I, in that church in Columbus, Indiana, um, I was part of, it was a Christian Missionary Alliance church and um, mm. we, we had a prayer team, a um, small prayer team of about four or five people. They asked me to join that at, at one point early in my walk with the Lord. And um, it was just eye-opening to me to see just their passion for prayer and um, seeing the spirit lead their prayers. Uh, I'd never, you know, been a part of that where, you know, you don't, you don't just pray for needs and, and move on. Mm. Uh, but seeing people just really be um, led by the spirit and scripture um, and, and just really have a heart to, you know, an expectation that's kind of God's going to work in each of these situations. And we saw lots of answered prayer through that. And uh, it was just very, uh, that awoken some, awakened something in me just to, mm. to pursue that more. And, and God's helped me, you know, over the past 25 years to, to continue to do that. And of course, being with Jan's really even opened it more because she has a real heart for it as well. Yeah, I think my um, passion for prayer, how did that start? I mean, it was cultivated a lot. I think through my yeah. parents, they were definitely very praying people, but, um, or maybe the beginnings of it was just understanding that it's important or it's just a part of what we do as Christians. Um, but when my brother was in seminary and I was living close to him, he, he was taking a seminary class on prayer and he, I guess, was reading a book and he challenged me. This was off the cuff. He probably would not remember saying this, but he just mm. said, what would it look like if you became a woman of prayer, you know? And I was single. I was in my early 20s and just kind of like, huh, you know, what would that look like? And so I kind of took that as a challenge. And then throughout those years that I lived up in Virginia Beach close to him, um, I think there was some, there's some growth in prayer. And then when I came, moved to Greenville, South Carolina, in 2008, um, I started attending our really small prayer meeting at our really big church. <laughs> um, and it was a Saturday night prayer meeting and it was with our pastor. Our pastor came there pretty regularly um, just to pray over the, the next day's service, but we would always include other things that were going on in, in our lives or in church members' lives. Um, and I got to see his heart for prayer. I got to see the heart of many, many people for prayer. And I think that started growing more of that love for prayer in me personally. And then in 2015, a friend of mine, a mentor friend of mine, um, and I became somewhat, um, disquieted about some things that were going on in our churches. And we decided, well, we need to be praying about this. We need to make sure we don't just ship or go like, you know, criticize, but we actually start praying about things we want to see changed in our church. And so we started meeting and she was going to a different church. I was going to North Hills Church. And then my sister joined and a roommate joined. And at some point it was about eight ladies from four different churches. Mm -hmm. And we would meet weekly. And then every other, just kind of as as it flowed and we'd meet for like two or three hours and we loved it. It was just an unabridged uh, praying time where we just kind of let God give us the agenda. And 
I'd never done something like that before, probably similar to what he experienced. And I just, I loved it because at the end of the night, we would be so tired. We'd be hungry. So we'd eat mm-hmm. something and then some we'd experience some spiritual warfare because, uh, and then we learned how important it is to pray at the end of the night. Like, would you protect us, Lord? <laughs> mm-hmm. Because we've done your work here. And like, we really realized there was work. It was work. There was power in our prayers. It just shakes the heavens. It shakes the heavens in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Good and bad, you know, camps mm-hmm. um, or get riled up. And, and yeah, I think we just, I learned about the power of prayer. And then uh, when we got married, we got to start incorporating that in our married life. Um, yeah, that's, that's kind of the beginnings of it, probably for me, the evolution of it. Yeah, yeah. What with the prayer team, where have you seen God move in the prayer team here at Fellowship? Yeah, it's been really neat. Uh, uh, I guess early on when we, we uh, joined, I think um, in 2019, we, we had felt a, a calling to prayer and started um, um, actually hosting prayer um, meetings at our house. Uh, it ended up being very small attendance, but uh, on Friday evenings, every other Friday evening, we just have people over that could attend, but it often ended up just being myself and Jan praying. And uh, during that time, we started praying just for the, for a movement of prayer, a culture of prayer. That's something we pray a lot for in general for the Fellowship Asheville. Mm-hmm. And um, when we prayed that, we prayed, we want the elders to lead in this. Uh, can you bring, um, you know, an opportunity for, for people to pray together led by the elders? And it wasn't a couple months later that um, we saw that you got announced uh, to uh, start a uh, elder-led prayer meeting Um, so so that was really exciting it's cool that's very cool yeah really blown away by that we're like whoa yeah that's funny I didn't know y'all had been praying specifically for that that's Mm -hmm. that's cool yeah that's cool you know well, a couple of things, too, that I like about what y'all have said so far as you've shared your own stories of, of developing a heart for prayer and all that is, is one, the power of invitation that, that you know, like y'all were invited to a prayer meeting, y'all were invited to, to, you know, and just how, you know, you learned about prayer by being around people praying. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's, a, it's, 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 it's such a, um, uh, a great way for people as they think about prayer to, to hold on to it. Well, invite people together and pray. Like, like it really is that simple. Um, and, and Jan, what you shared, shared too about, you know, an unstructured, unplanned, like it doesn't have to be some agenda driven um, mm-hmm. time. It really can be just come together and, and pray and then see what God does with that. Um, so, so that, that jumped out at me. And then there was another thing that jumped out at me that I've already forgotten. So we'll see if it comes back again <laughs> later. I have a good friend that always says, you know, there are three things that I've learned and I can only remember two of them. So here they are. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> he's always good about doing that. Uh, but Jane, were you about to, to share something too about how you've seen God, God work through the prayer ministry? Um, I think also just being able to make prayer a little more visible and bring it to the congregation on a Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. was an answer to prayer for us too, um, just to see, you know, the emphasis there within the worship service as well. Um, yeah. That 
reset. We, I mean, we've only been really over the prayer ministry for the last year, I believe. It's not been mm -hmm. that long. So, so I kind of feel like, um, yeah, and then COVID hit. And so we haven't been able to do maybe all the things that we would have loved to do in a normal setting. So it yeah. feels into the prayer ministry and that like, well, what else are you guys doing? But it's just kind of a slow start, I think, because of yeah. the nature of where we're at. Yeah. Yeah. And that's okay. Sometimes the, the slow starts are the ones that go deep um, and, and, and grow well. So that's good. If, if, you know, you talked about, you know, y'all each had this heart for prayer and then you got married. And if, if you don't mind me asking, what do your daily practices of prayer look like? Like what does prayer look like for y'all as a married couple and as individuals? We uh, will often, you know, uh, Together, uh, we'll pray uh, in the mornings after a morning devotional. We'll do after breakfast, and uh, then we'll uh, uh, sometimes we take uh, Ellie over and try to just. It's, it's funny to see her reaction to praying. Sometimes she'll she uses the German word for praying, beten. Uh, she'll mm -hmm. just say, beten, and then she'll fold her hands. And oh, close. sweet. Three she's, seconds. <laughs> and she's done. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. Something yeah. else. Uh, it, it's neat to see her seeing us model it for her she she sees the importance of it and how it's it's daily part of her life so we'll share that with her and we also um every now uh, i think maybe once a week we'll read the shema to her uh, deuteronomy six four through six talking about um four through nine impressing uh these things on your children to love the lord with all your heart soul mind and strength and um how that's uh, important for her to to learn uh and we'll uh we'll pray um, in the evenings with her as well. Uh, and then after she goes to sleep, we'll, we'll pray as a couple um, individually uh, or uh, together. And then individually we pray, I think, during our devotional times. Um, uh, but there's kind of a rhythm. I think that's our daily rhythm. Yeah, and it's not, I mean, formal. I wouldn't call any of it formal, except that we just try to make it a habit every morning to have a little devotional together since Brian is home now, working from home. Mm -hmm that involves prayer. Um, and then, you know, when we go to bed at night, we're always, what should, what do we need to pray for? Or, um, you know, how was our day? And then praying about those things. Um, but often even throughout the day, I mean, if we get emails either from church or from our family or, you know, different concerns and requests that come up and needs that happen, or even, you know, when he comes down halfway through the day and it's like, sweating bullets or just it's a rough day or for me taking care of Ellie it's a rough yeah. day <laughs> yeah. yeah um we'll just sit together and pray and we'll often I I love bringing Ellie into that too I just love having her just saying come on we're gonna pray for a friend come on sit over on my lap we're gonna pray for mommy yeah. and dad um friend so and so and so um I, I would love for her to see that it's just like mom and dad talking we're just talking, talking to God, God and mm -hmm. it's to be special words it's just carrying somebody's need or our own needs to god just right here just stopping right now and doing something about it um, yeah yeah um this is a question i want to throw out to y'all that wasn't on the list what does you know that's okay that's okay and and, and <laughs> I, I'm, I'm curious to hear your answer you know oftentimes when people think about prayer they think about talking what is listening to the lord like for y'all because that to me that's a very important part of prayer too is, is what is God saying what does that look like for y'all 
I think uh, for me, it's, it's, it's often reading God's word and, and letting it speak to me. Um, you know, I, I, I need, um, it's, it's hard for me at times, uh, as I maybe shared in the, uh, when we led uh, prayer uh, back in, in uh, uh, a few weeks ago in January, uh, we were um, asking people to be quiet before the Lord and meditate and hear God's word. Uh, my main, mind tends to race, so um, I, I tend to need to have something to focus on and focusing on God's word and just letting it speak to me. Um, mm -hmm. that's, that's listening for me. Yeah, I think the example of, you know, taking a couple minutes after the sermon that, for instance, would be a moment of listening. Like, what was it that I actually heard that just I can't quite get out of my mind? And that's the Holy Spirit speaking to me. Or, or the same with, like, what you said, even um, going through a scenario or having a conversation and you're just kind of left with a not great feeling mm -hmm. and why do these things keep coming back to me. So I think in our daily life situations that we encounter, um, when things keep coming back, whether they're positive or negative, um, just, you know, stopping and, and contemplating, okay, does the scripture actually say something about this situation? Mm. You know, was, was it something with my attitude or my words? Or what about the other person? Was it something about what they said? Well, how, how should I respond to that then? Like, what's the most loving way to respond, most truthful, loving way to respond to what just happened? Um, and, and I think that's listening, like that you're getting a prompting from the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. and rather than shutting it off or even shutting off the conviction, um, like entering into that and, and connecting it with God's word, because that's where you find the truth. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Listening. That would that's be great. Exciting. That's great. Thanks y'all. Thanks. That was a little curveball. So thanks. <laughs> yeah. Um, as y'all pray for Fellowship Asheville now, what what are y'all praying for? I think um, as I I think I mentioned before, a culture prayer just to to grow. Um, that's something we can't do on our own, and we we ask to do that. Teaching people kind of what we've been talking about, just um, looking for those opportunities to model prayer together and and doing it. It doesn't have to be us involved. We we love to see pockets of that happening all around the church and just growing. Um, and uh, that's, that's kind of one of the main themes of our prayers. And I think also maybe what we pray for, what we envision and hope for is that, um, that, you know, our brothers and sisters won't see prayer as something that's only for people that are really spiritual or that have been saved a super long time or that are really eloquent, you know, and that feel comfortable standing in front of people um, in a group or in front of church, but rather it's, it's really just a pouring out your heart before God. Um, because you see, you see that he's worthy to talk to, that he's worthy to bring your needs to, he's worthy to be praised. Um, yeah. And be more overcome with, with, um, how great God is. And that mm -hmm. he, there are so many examples in scripture where he answers prayer, where people pray, and just incredibly miraculous things happen, or it's almost like God changes his mind. You know, he wasn't going to do something and then somebody prayed and that was an intervention that he wanted to see before mm -hmm. he would do this. Mm -hmm. and there's actually power. Like we have power as believers um, in our prayers to not to change God's heart. Like he didn't see that coming and decided um, he was coerced into it by our prayers, but rather 
being touched by the fact that we would intercede and bring a need before him, ours or somebody else's, um, yeah, bring a need before him that he that he would act. He'd be like, well, of course yeah. I'm going to act because I love you. Right. Right. I you what is good, what is best. Um, and I think Jesus modeled that really well um, for us, you know, all throughout his earthly ministry. So I think that's important for us as believers to get a hold of because prayer is such um, there's such power in prayer and it's also a weapon. It's a real offensive weapon. Um, yeah. And so much can be solved if we simply pray <laughs> together yeah. and just individually, but like we get together and pray, like you're pouring out your heart before me. Can we just stop and pray about this, you know, rather than mm-hmm. continuing to moan and groan about it. And it's fine to do that at times, but to actually really do something that will help. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where prayer is, yeah, I think that's a weapon that we have as believers. And what if we would utilize that more, you know, like mm-hmm. what could look like, what yeah. could our lives look like, our families look like. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, one of the things that I've experienced with God in, in seasons of, of prayer is um, he really is good. Like, you know, like um, for me, Early on in my Christian walk, I think prayer was something that seemed a little, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Maybe I wasn't mature enough to pray. Like my prayers really didn't matter. That, that's kind of what it felt like. Like I'm just learning this. My prayers really don't matter. But as I've gotten to know Jesus, like he really is good. And, and he wants to hear and he wants to move and he wants to do good because he is good. Um, and there's something about kind of getting in line with him in prayer that, I mean, I just, it's just good. I don't know how else to describe it. It's everything that good is. It's chastening. It's encouraging. It's, it's, it's inspirational. It is focusing. Like it is, it is all those things. Um, okay. One last question. Um, it's one of my, the question I ask everybody in the Convocast, if you were to describe Fellowship Asheville in one word, uh, what would that be? <laughs> yeah, you know, it was tough for us. Um, uh, I think just in, in general, being newer to the church, um, but I, I think one word that just recently came up to me was welcoming. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think I, I see uh, at we, we um, were introduced to the church. We just felt uh, really, um, you know, they, they recognized us. They remember our names. They um, were very intentional about, you know, asking us how we're doing and, and welcoming us to the church. Um, that, that was something that really stood out to me. And caring. I think, I think for me, mm-hmm. the word caring, there's a lot of care that's shown through the church, different avenues, mm-hmm. not just to us personally, but I mean, even seeing the ministries that our church is involved in, just there's care, mm-hmm. um, loving care. Two words. <laughs> That's great. That's great. That's fine. That's fine. Good words. Good words. Well, thanks y'all. Um, um, if, uh, if anybody listening would like to get in touch with the bridges, if you go to our website, they're under uh, leadership, I believe is the tab. There's a, a, a place for deacons and their email is there. And so you can, you can reach them that way. Um, and if you're still with us, listen, if, if this was helpful in any way, then you can like, and subscribe. Uh, and when you subscribe, there's a couple of things that that does. It helps us 
uh, get enough subscribers to where we can have a specific URL link. So we can just give people that. Uh, it'd be fellowshipashville at youtube.com or something like that. Um, but it also allows you as a viewer to get notifications when new when a new Convocast comes out or anything new that we publish on the YouTube channel. So if you don't mind, no matter where it is on your screen, hit like or subscribe. Um, and um, I will see y'all next time. Church, I love you. And I love being the church with you. Thank you, Brian and Jan. As always, it was great fun. Um, uh, and um, I'll see y'all. See y'all soon. All right. Bye, y'all. Bye.